This is Manifest Mindset, where we delve into our true passions, inspire the best out of ourselves, and live our life with true intention every single day. Hey, Bob. All right, welcome back. We're back at it again with me and Nick. How are you today, Nick? Bob, I'm hanging in there, my friend, on a, a good long road trip, and excited to be here with you on the podcast. Very good. Where are you going? I'm actually going back to New York, back to Ithaca, my friend. So uh, closer to your territory, your neck of the woods. I was out and um, actually I went out to New Hampshire, got some family out there. Actually, completely gave them a surprise visit. Didn't tell anybody I was coming, and it was a fun time out there, man. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's good. Um, I thought you were driving to California for some reason. <laughs> yeah, no, that uh, that is a battle for another day, my friend. That is a much longer journey and. I'm doing that basically uh, to celebrate New Year's, right after New Year's, in a long 40-hour drive going from New York to Cali. Okay, yeah. That's uh, that's exciting. Well, best of luck when that does occur. So last week we talked a little bit about, uh, one for me, like uh, spending an hour and doing, writing, like uh, working on my business. Uh, yeah. And then last week we also talked about you kind of being in, in a little bit of a lull. Um, do, you, do you want to touch upon that? Or, or do you yeah. feel pretty pretty confident right now? You're feeling pretty good. No, we can touch on that, Bob. Um, this, so for me, I took that practice for a lull and everything. Um, I took that practice test and everything. And, um, you know, really was taking the time out here to get to New Hampshire and everything. It was actually a really good reset for me about time having spent time with the family again, kind of having a, a little bit of a break from the studying to actually – reprioritize it for myself and knowing exactly what I need to hit, exactly what I need to focus on. Um, so while I haven't necessarily done a ton more volume of it, um, you know, ramped it up a ton, I think I've got better clarity for myself and better focus of how to continue to approach it. And I feel, I feel like there is a great opportunity for these next three weeks of studying coming up. Yeah, that, that's cool. Um, so I want to just like touch upon this. Um, so when you're feeling a little null, it, it sounds to me like, this this break that you gave yourself allowed you to, to pop back. Would you say that that's, that's pretty valid? That's a valid statement? Absolutely. And I think there are certainly degrees of popping back. And, you know, um, you never feel like you're back in it until you actually are truly back in it. So I feel like I've gotten the first stage of that really well, where I have reprioritized it for myself. And once I put that into action and really kind of get at it again starting tomorrow, once I'm back in New York, that's when it's going to happen, my friend. So this is more like a – this is going to be a, an interesting question. Um, so how do you know, like, what kind of break is the right one? Ooh, so, for, for example, like – Yeah, for, for some example uh, – for example, so somebody can be in a lull, and they choose their break to uh, binge watch, I, I don't know, a, a lot of shows, which for some people may be a great break to actually help yeah. them spring back. Um, but yeah. but for for that person specifically for this example, um, they just feel gone afterwards. They feel like they wasted time, and, and they're still in that wall right after it. So how does it they know like which break to choose to really push them back into where they want to go if, they, if that's where they want to be? I'm gonna um, I put some more context behind your question, Bob. When I was at um, one of my job interviews, not for this job that I ended up accepting, but they asked me um, what I thought about work-life balance. And, you know, what? I, one of the many things I told them is that in addition to personal things about myself, I think it's important to, 
have things in work where you're captivated, you're excited, and it gets you going, you're driven. But you're not in work mode all the time. You're, you are, you're not there to clock in, clock out, but you are ready to clock out at the end of the day. You're ready to go home, have different things that excite you, and have things over the weekend, whatever it is, that see you fired up just as much at work, um, if not, you know, more for some people. and get you really excited. But that, that leaves you fulfilled and refreshed for coming back to these different places. So when I think about your question of potentially binge-watching a lot of shows, and for some people that's the recharge that you need for a short term, then great. I think that's a great option. Um, that probably wouldn't do it for me, at least in terms of if I need a major recharge. Um, but for me, being around my family, having the great quality time with people I haven't gotten to see in a very long time, um, and doing those things that enriches my life in other ways besides just my intellectual ability, because I'm chasing a path of fulfillment for myself as a greater person, not just this one aspect of who I am, that's what led me to be successful, and that's what led me to have this kind of newfound energy and approach to it. Because I think ultimately we either give ourselves fuel to the fire to help ourselves, or we hinder ourselves to get in our way to some degree. And by helping myself as a greater person for what I'm chasing after and who I am in life, I'm allowing myself to build on that momentum to go forward in these other areas and have a carryover, spillover effect. Okay, so I'm hearing basically like it depends on the person, and um, th- what depends on the person is is what is truly valuable to them in, in the Ab- form of a break. Absolutely, and what in a break is going to one feel good in the moment because. It's not going to be a break unless it does feel good in the moment. So whether you call that superficial or not, it's just true. Um, other than two, does it add to your life? You know, does it have a kind of a weird or a bad or an empty aftertaste, or is it like that lingering feeling of excitement after a nice, like, sweet first kiss? It's like, yeah, I could, I could use some more of that later. Okay. Yeah, I th- as we're talking about this, um, a book comes to mind, um, Brene Brown's book, The Gifts of Imperfection. Um, so basically, in, in that book, it talks about how um, being imperfect, imperfect is the key to like feeling, feeling confident and feeling like feeling good about yourself, like embracing that imperfection. And one part of this imperfection that you should be embracing is, is this idea of, of playing and having fun, and and that it's okay um, to play and have fun as long as it's like something that you really enjoy. Um, and you shouldn't feel shame when you're doing the thing because you really enjoy it. And that's part of being a human and being imperfect. Um, and and that, that's what I thought when, when we were talking. And, about and Bob, Bob, you know, I live the same message. I just use different words. And, you know, what I like saying is nobody gets out of life alive, so why are we taking it so damn serious all the time? And, you know, there's certainly, there's certainly reasons to take life seriously, but – it's made for enjoyment, it's made for fulfillment and to make our lives better and to make the people people's lives around us better too. Yeah, I mean if we were to go like look at this grand scale, like at the end of the day, what do we what do we take away with when, when we're when we're on our deathbed and dying? We take we take our memories, right? That that's the only thing well I, depending on what you believe, I think we take our memories. Sure. Um we don't take anything physical, that that's what I'm getting at. Um and as I'm talking about this, I think another thing to, to remember is, is this idea of, of regret. Um, and, and that can play hand in hand with 
with this idea of play and rest of did I have enough time to, to play and do something that I really enjoyed or was I working all this time and, and trying to, to build um, wealth and trying to build things that made me financially stable, but nothing really on the family side or nothing really on um, the, the relationship side. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, you know, the people who are passionate about what they do, excited about it, they'll be the first ones to say that, you know, for the majority of their job, it doesn't feel like they're working. I mean, yeah, there might be some effort associated with it. It's like there's effort when you kind of, quote, unquote, play something, when you play a sport you love, but they're in it to win it, and they're in it because they care about it, and they're in it because it's who they are meant to be. And that's the ultimate blessing right there is to be a part of something with that larger purpose, larger cause. And I know it's a blessing in my life to be able to have that through physical therapy and the specific niche that I'm trying to carve for myself. Okay. Can, can you tell me a little bit more about this niche you're trying to carve for yourself? I know you, yep. you mentioned, uh, it, but but go ahead. Absolutely, Bob. And, you know, it's, uh, it's something I'm trying to redefine for myself all the time, too, that um, I understand I'm the sum of my experiences um, so far, and I want to keep expanding it. So I'm going into an orthopedic residency program right now um, to kind of fine-tune more details in orthopedics. And really, I consider this as um, one of my mentors um, in the past has told me it's really like a boot camp, right? It's, um, you know, you get out of PT school, and for lack of better words, you learn how to not kill people and how to help most people. Um, but the orthopedic residency is really a boot camp for this area, and really getting you down good, honing your skills, honing your thought patterns, um, not just for patients, but your thought pattern for life in general. And so for me, my ultimate goal is I want to be kind of a, a guru of health, a guru of movement um, to help as many people as I can. And I want to be a, a mentor and a teacher for others, it's almost like how a great martial artist master will take on other students to help them refine his own craft and help mentor others along the way, too, in the art of it and the practice of it, but get the science behind it, too. I want to be the go-to primary care movement specialist for many, many people in the community that I serve. And I also want to be a go-to mentor, because I believe you should never just have one mentor. I want to be a go-to mentor for many young clinicians in the field, too, um, and help mentor them along the way. And that's what I want to create for myself, but specifically in the area of orthopedics and specifically in the area of spine-based care, but taking a very eclectic approach to get to that point. Yeah, well, I, I've i been with you for a while, Nick. It's been around seven, no, six, probably six years. Um, oh, my goodness, Bob. It's, uh, good good it's, luck. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed you put up with me for that long. It, it's been a while, but, but I think – Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the first time you actually like solidified this and, and told me this. Maybe it's the what first time I've told, maybe it's the first time I've told you this um, that solid anyway. Um, I believe that I, I constantly make renditions of this, um, and you know it's it's beautiful because I was recently talking to a group of physical therapy students last week about this time, and they were um, in their first year of the grad school program. Um, kind of in their four out of six years, and they were talking about, you know, how, you know, their different growth, what they're learning and everything, and how, you know, they want to be, some of them want to be, like, have the same, maybe not my same pathway, but the same amount of growth I've had, and I said, listen, 
you're going to be amazed by how smart you get, how intelligent you get, how much you develop yourself as a human being throughout what you do in this program and what you do in your life in general. Because, Bob, for me, I think of myself to even just a month or two months ago compared to now, and, oh, my gosh, if I continue to evolve over and over and over in that time, and I'm a totally different person just from the growth that I've gone through. And I think that's the incredible part about it is too many people peak. Too many people have the mentality of, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna hit 30, and those are going to be my peak years. Or my peak years was when I was 25 or 26, or my peak was, you know, when I was at 38. No. The ideal goal is to never peak in this this kind of conquest for fulfillment and bettering yourself, and I'm not saying so hard and rigid, but just becoming a better human. You should never be. You should always that's, be getting better and better. That's very. That's a very inspirational, and then uh, it's very inspirational. Um, to be honest, I always thought like you were, you were like, at the pinnacle of of PT school knowledge, right? I always thought you, you were like. There's no more room for you to grow, Nick. Like that's that's how I view, that's how I view you. Um, oh dear, oh dear. But like as we're talking throughout this podcast, like over the these this past year of of just doing this podcast, um, I can sense how much you've grown as well. Like from from the things that you tell me, from how you how your attitude is and has shifted. I can tell that there's a difference. Like normally I don't, I don't track this normally like prior to this podcast, I didn't track how you talked or, or your mentality or your state. I just assumed that you were at your pinnacle. But um, as we're doing this, it feels like you're growing and growing and, and it, it's, you, you say one thing and it, and it is what you do. So I, I appreciate that, Bob, you know, coming from a man like yourself where you certainly value, you know, for using these generic terms of growth mindset and kind of live your life full of passion and purpose. You embody a lot of that, and you continue never perfect, but striving to get better. And so I really appreciate coming, that coming from a good friend like you. Um, and, you know, I can, I can see the growth in yourself, too. And that's just the thing is that, you know, we, when we originally started this podcast, it was because we were having these in-depth conversations about content that we thought was so cool and we loved it. And we simply just want to put this out on air to record it. Um, so one, be a documentary kind of for ourselves to look back on later and our growth. But two, just to put it out there to the world and show that perfection is, as a noun, is not a thing that exists. We have to get our inner mentality or inner mindset and chase after ourselves or find and reflect throughout the process and perfect as a verb, as an action to continuously go after something and that we look after mastering but never truly to arrive at the master um and we really try to embody that and live that but show that it's okay not to be perfect it's okay not to have all the answers i i never feel like i have all the answers um but i'm always trying to get better and i think that giving ourselves allowing ourselves to be human throughout this process and showing others that will hopefully embody a lot of them and a lot of other clinicians and it's my hope in the future that you know, we have far more physical therapy students that are ahead of me in my time and what I've done, and we have far more physical therapists in the future that are better than me. Because it doesn't serve the world to have, you know, to me say, okay, you know, I'm I'm good at what I do, I'm good, and I want to keep getting better, and I'm going to be the best there ever was. No, I want I want to be the best I possibly can, and I also want to help others to surpass me in my ability. Wow. Uh. 
Um, I was going to say something just as inspiring as you, but I, I forgot now that I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yes, I, I, I agree, Nick. I, it's, it's part of the process. It's part of um, documenting. What was the last thing you said? What was the last sentence that you just said? Or, or, or a gist? I, I don't remember the exact, word, the exact words, but the thought, Bob, was that I want, in the future, I want there to be other student physical therapists who are better than me in schooling throughout, throughout my time, and I want there to be other future physical therapists who are better than me as a physical therapist. I want to help them in that process to mentor them to become better than me because myself being good, being great, being amazing, and getting better and better, and to claim that I'm at the top or whatever implies that I'm withholding knowledge. I want to give all my knowledge, all my understanding, all of the hopefully what I can convey about the art of healing to people. I want to give that all away. And I want to have people that are far better than me to be able to serve the world. Yes, I, I 100% agree. Um, what I was going to say before, and maybe this doesn't really relate to what you were just talking about, but um, you talked about how you view, some people view you at, at like, or I view you as, as like the pinnacle of PT school knowledge, right? Uh, and then, your, your word's not mine, my friend, but yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> but, and then you said that, um, to be, to, in actuality, I don't really know as much as, as other people perceive me to. Uh, would you say that's correct? Or, or maybe I do, but it's that it's, it's, I'm nowhere near my top. I'm nowhere yes, near where yes. I can be. Is that there's, you're, you're ever reaching for more and that there's so much more. And the more that we, we begin to understand, the more that we realize that there's this expansive universe that we do not understand. Yes, but, but where, where I was getting at is that we see all these like extremely, extremely like smart people, these extremely, extremely idolized people. And, and we think that they have all the answers. Um, and we, we think that they know everything, right? We, we think <laughs> they, that over, over their years, what I've found Bob is that, uh, the people who like, we look to like that, they might have a lot of answers. They might have gone from in their mind, having 10% of the answers to, you know, have 11% to 12% to 13% of the answers and slowly growing. But what really happens inside their mind and why they're good is because they go in, they go from having 50% of the questions to 60% to 70% to 80% to 135% of the questions. So they're constantly questioning, and those questions will lead them in the direction of slowly gaining more answers. Yes. Yes. But uh, another point to build off of that is that even if they do have, like, they have a lot of questions or, or they do have that uh, 10% to 11% of that knowledge, they, they're still missing a huge chunk of, of everything else in the world. Right. Yes. So, so not, so the point I was trying to get at is that not everybody, even the people that we look up to that, like if we raise our chin up high and we still can't see them, um, like, because they're just so far away. Um, they, they don't have the answers to everything. No, nobody knows if like a meteor is going to fall on the world tomorrow. Nobody knows if, the stock market's going to crash tomorrow, right? Um, nobody knows the real answers to everything. Like in research for physical therapy, for example, it's, it's always it's always changing. People can say like they're practicing the best way, but the best way could always be changing five or ten years down the line. Um, so, so there's no real perfect 
beings. Uh, what do you agree, Nick? And, and Bob, before I agree or disagree, because well, I'm going to say I obviously completely agree. Um, that knowledge enough and that recognition doesn't mean crap on its own. But yes. Bob, from your knowledge of understanding that, of saying that, hey, even these great to look up to, they're not perfect. As yourself and where you are in your life, how does that change the way that you act? How does that change your direct action? Because ultimately, we do need to start with this internal world. But with this internal world and mindset we have, how does that actually influence and bring us to action? So, Bob, for you, how does that change your action in your life? Yeah, of course. So, so we these people that we idolize, right? In the end, they're just all they're just all human. So, um, how like, you talk to them, how you message them, how you like you ask them for for things, right? You can you can do that because because they're, they're human. They're not like a person that's gonna just chastise you just because you said hello, right? Um, a great example of this is like around two years ago, I went to this this conference with this really um, micro influencer in in like the fitness industry, and I thought he was this greatest. He was this good, handsome, good-looking guy um, with with all this knowledge in the world, and then I go to his presentation. I see him. I'm like, oh my god, that's him. But when I looked at him, he was he was this short guy with really big <laughs> ears, and he didn't he did, was not anything that I expected. And and in my mind, I was like, oh my god, he's he's human. He just he's like he's like us. He's like me. He's like you. He's not like this really um, goddess or god kind of person, but but a human being. Um, and then I went up and shook his hand and and talked to him, and, and it was it was a good experience. Now, there's nothing against short people or people with big ears. Um, I'm just, I'm just saying that's what I saw. Uh, but I does know. that make sense? Yes, we, have, we have to protect the baby elephants out there. <laughs> but does that make sense, Nick? Like, how, how does that answer your question? Well, you, you idolize him for a while, and you put him on a pedestal of, oh my gosh, he is amazing and this incredible entity. And then you realize, oh wait, he's still cool and he's still good and this is still valuable, but. Yes, that's that's like the main shift that I've gotten um, over over the years of realizing that even the people at the top don't have all the answers, and that they're all they're all human. They all poop, they all pee, they all have to eat. um, Every single person. Absolutely, Bob, and it 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 brings us all back down to the same level. You know, it reminds me of uh, freshman year of college. I was out in the gym playing basketball, and there was this old dude there. And I can say this because we're good friends now. We joke around a ton. There was this old dude, short old dude there, balling out, and he was he was damn good. And anyways, we got to become good friends and everything. And it wasn't until like three months playing out with him, knowing him by name and everything, that I realized what he did for a job. And he was the associate provost for the entire college. But that didn't matter. Everybody was I've treated very high level, um, whether athletes or high level um, people in very high financial roles, but it doesn't matter at that time. It's okay, we're even, or in fact, the role has reversed in a way. Um, So ultimately, we all have our flaws, we all have our fallacies, we all have our successes, our triumphs, our passions. And we're all just people out here, Bob, and we're ultimately all after a different pathway to get the same mission. 
Yeah, you're right. We all have these fault. We have these beliefs that we're not good enough. We all have these fallacies. Yes, you're right. I, I agree. I, I completely agree. Um, Nick, is it all right if, if we shift over to to something else? Please do, Bob. And I, I, I do want to touch at some point on how this uh, our kind of journaling practice went for you. But if you have other things in your mind, let's hit those first. Yes. So that's that's what I was going to talk about. So this, so this hour, yes. Yeah, so, so this hour of, so basically this hour of working on on my business plan. So so basically what I did was I, I went back and looked at my my notes for um, the class that we took. Basically, was a class where a group of six people, six students, worked and made their own virtual or fake business. But all the knowledge in that class was was literally like a step by step guide on what to do. Um, you just have to put in the work. The information is all there. Like even on the internet, there's there's if you search step by step how to like open up your own clinic, there's a step by step guide or or everything on the on the web. You just have to put in the work. Now now this this podcast is really that one a part of it that kicks me and tells me that you gotta you gotta put in the work because the information is all there. So I, I read the notes um, and one big part of it. Well, there was two two big takeaways that I got. The first one was being a leader. I don't know if you ever watched this video of there, there's this concert and there's just this lone guy who's dancing. He's been dancing there for like 10 to 15 minutes just by himself. People are looking at him. People are laughing at him. Um, and this symbolizes the start of leadership or a start of a movement. I don't know if you ever watched this video. Uh, I think you, I think I have, Bob. Yeah. Okay. So basically, this this guy, this first person, right? He's considered like a nut. He's considered like a, a nutty person, like a lone nut, um, until the first follower comes. The first follower is the the next person that comes in and decides to dance with him. Um, the first follower risks um, being like embarrassed because if nobody else joins, it's just these two nuts. Uh, these two idiots just dancing by themselves. And the first person has already been dancing there for like 15 minutes by himself while everybody else is watching. Um, but there's these two people dancing. Then some more followers come. So three or more followers come. And now there's there's four people and four in a pack. Finally, as these four people start uh dance, a whole crowd just gathers around. And, and there's like 50 or 100 people just dancing right there around this one person this lone nut that's been um, dancing by himself. And and this goes on this idea of leadership or creating a movement is at first you're this lone nut that, that does everything. You're risk, you, you risk yourself of being embarrassed. You risk yourself of failing and not uh, have, and not having this movement. But as soon as the first follower comes, that is the key to creating this movement. You want to nurture the first follower. You want to make sure that the first follower feels important so other people can come, and then that generates this entire movement. Um, and and that's that's this idea of being or of leadership in general. Like leadership, you risk yourself of being uh, ignored, of being uh, of, of failing. Um, but you also want to make sure that you nurture your followers, especially the first follower that you get, and then eventually that builds into this whole big movement. And, you know, I kind of view this as almost the other end of integrity, Bob, where 
a lot of times we view integrity as, you know, doing what you would do um, when nobody's watching. But I think the other end of integrity, too, and sticking to your guns is still doing what you do when everybody's watching. Um, so it's both ends of it. When the pressure's on or pressure's off, too, we often think about it when the pressure's off. But when the pressure's on, too, you still have that integrity to follow through. Um, now, I, I am very curious how you're going to tie this aspect into what you were doing, but I'm going to let you do that. So that's a great point. Um, I, I honestly just thought it was a cool lesson to share on this podcast about leadership in general um, and, and to remind yourself that when you're going out by yourself, um, there's a lot of risk with showing yourself out, with, with like putting yourself out there. And then as long as you, you continue to, to stick yourself out there, as long as you're, you're putting your neck out there, eventually one follower is going to come. And then it's your, it's your goal to nurture that one follower. That one follower could be um, your first hire. That could be your first patient. That could be um, your first person that you network with, right, as a business, as a business owner. And then as you nurture that first relationship, that spreads to all these different other relationships, eventually creating this big culture around you. Does that make sense? Does that, do you feel like that related to what we were talking about? Nick, I think you might have cut off, but I'll just continue talking <laughs> as this podcast goes on. Now, I personally think that um, the, the second part of what I was doing with my business plan was, was sitting down and really trying to hone in on which place, like which, how many physical therapy places there are around the location that I'm going to be at. And it turns out there's a whole bunch of different locations at my place. So basically that was the entire first part of what I was doing. Hopefully that, that made sense and connected um, to, to the whole business idea. Now, the second thing that I did was uh, sit down and actually spend an hour or at least 45 minutes looking at, at different clinics near near the, the place that I'm going to be working at eventually. So I sat down, went to Google Maps, clicked or typed in physical therapy at this location or, or near this location. And there's, I knew there was a lot, but I didn't know how many clinics exactly. Yep. Um, but there are, there are a lot of clinics. So far I counted around 24 clinics um, that are all physical therapy, or physical therapy and acupuncture, physical therapy or occupational therapy or physical therapy and uh, chiropractic or physical therapy and massage, different variations of um, physical therapy. Some have a website, some have, some don't have a website, some have a lot of Google reviews, some don't have a lot of Google reviews. Um, and what I spent doing was, was looking at some of their websites, um, especially the ones that have good uh, like a lot of Google reviews, a lot of high stars. Um, yep. And some of them do, do have like high, high ratings. And, and they have many strengths, like they've been open for a long time. Um, they have many connections to different hospitals, different gyms, different places. Um, they, they have a blog. They do any different things. Um, but one thing that 
I didn't really find with a lot of them was, was having like a unique value value proposition or something that really sets them apart from the next clinic that is rated 200 five-star reviews on Google. Um, And I was thinking to myself what I can do for, to set me apart. Um, And obviously I can't just say that I want to treat back pain, spine pain or people like that um, because that's what everybody's doing. That's what everybody's doing as a PT. Um, So, I've been trying to, to really figure out what my UVP is or, or what my, like, thing that will separate me when, when this does happen. Um, yeah. So I don't have that answer right now. Maybe next week I will, but that, that's been what I've been doing this past, this week itself, looking at different clinics, looking at their strengths, their weaknesses. Um, you know, Bob, I was, I was listening to something recently about how to foster great creativity. And what okay. a lot of these experts talk about is not, you know, reinventing the wheel and not doing, thinking of these elaborate and extreme things, but thinking about the current industry or thinking about those 24 um, physical therapy and extra clinics around you and saying, what do they do well? What makes them successful? Uh, then how can I change that by 10%? How can I do something 10% different than that? Because they're obviously getting results. But what's that little unique piece of it, like you said, your unique value proposition that's special to you, but not reinventing the wheel, just changing things up a little bit. Wow, thank you. Thank you for that reminder, Nick. I I appreciate that reminder. Um, so there's this whole idea of blue ocean, red ocean, and purple ocean. Are you familiar with this by any chance? You know, Bob, I am, but it's... Uh... Please describe it again because it's a little vague in the memory. Okay, so the so the red ocean. So these are the three different kinds of um, three different kinds of markets that you can be in when it comes to business. So the red ocean. This is the ocean when when people start out uh, in in a niche for a business. When they start out in, in a completely new niche, nobody's in that niche, and they for weight loss, for example, right? Say the keto diet wasn't invented at all. And somebody decided that eating, not eating carbs was a smart idea and that helped them lose weight. So they were the first one to enter this, this market of keto, right? And that's a completely blue market. Nobody's in it. That's, that's an ideal market because you're the majority part of the ocean. You're, you're taking the majority of uh, the, the whole market in general, right? The red market is when people see that you're having success in the keto market, um, more and more people decide to jump on board, and it becomes saturated, right? So in in the ocean, there are more and more sharks that are eating, and uh, the fish decide to, like, they, they bleed because they're getting eaten, and the, re- uh, the ocean turns red. So that's this whole idea of the red ocean. There's too many sharks in the ocean. There's too many competitions. Too many people are taking um, one slice of this this pie that's not big enough. And as you can see, that that's pretty much what's in what I just described in my in my uh, general community, there's so many different clinics. There's 24 clinics in a 10-mile or a 15-mile radius. That's a lot of clinics. Right? That's highly saturated. That's highly, highly saturated in location-wise. Um, it, it's certainly not a blue ocean if you generalize PP. You can make it a blue ocean if you really do find that unique value proposition that I initially mentioned. 
But what you touched upon, Nick, was was finding that 10%. So finding what looks at what already works and then just modifying it a little bit um, to move, to, to set yourself just uniquely enough that you know the thing that you, you've done is proven to work, but it also sets you away from the competition. And that is the purple ocean. So the combination of the blue ocean plus the red ocean. So um, together, right, the blue ocean, you're just that unique enough that separates you from the competition, but you're also just red enough that you're, you're going to get patient, that you know this market is going to work. So I, I appreciate you for that reminder, Nick, and thank you so much for reminding me. Absolutely, Bob, and I, uh, I appreciate your uh, ocean story. Uh, we'll see, I'll let you know how it goes out in California for me. Maybe I'll be surfing, and if I'm surfing in some red water, <laughs> I'll watch out for the sharks. Yep, that's what you want to watch out for. Actually, since we're on this, this topic of, of sharks, do you know the shark and hippo effect? The shark and what effect? The shark and hippo effect. Hippo. Oh, I yeah. never imagined hippo swimming with sharks. Uh, enlighten me, Bob. I'm not familiar. Okay. So I made this up myself. <laughs> so <laughs> that That's why I've never heard of it before. Jeez. <laughs> so so it's, the, it's the shark and hippo effect. All right, so I actually made it a whole a whole video on this, um, but basically there's this idea in the media, right, that sharks are these scary, it, dangerous. Bob, things. Bob, is, is it in the media because you put it in the media? <laughs> no, no, but but sharks in general are known to be like extremely scary, right? The, the media portrays them as sharks eating people. There's the Jaws movie was where sharks just go and eat people. They're scary in the scary movie. And then the hippos on the other side of the spectrum are, are portrayed as these like really nice animals. There's, there's movies that show hippos as the good guy. Um, there's games based on hippos, like Hungry Hungry Hippo. Um, and, generally, <laughs> and, and generally, hippos are very fun and nice creatures. But in reality, they're in reality, they, yes, they're beasts. They, they kill more people than sharks. They can bite you. And literally, your entire body is gone. They they kill they kill more people. So hippos kill more people than sharks. And, and hippos are a lot a lot more dangerous in the wild compared to sharks. Where sharks don't really really bother people. They just they just swim around. They just look scary. Um, does that make sense? Does the hippo and shark uh, principle make sense, uh, Bob? Like I, I appreciate your analogy. You're gonna have to bridge the gap here into what the actual point of this though. The actual point of this uh, of this is that there's no point because you were talking about sharks and surfing at California, and then I just I just wanted to share this this hippo and oh, shark okay. effect. So, so, so Bob, I get this, but for your hippo and shark effect, you're saying that hippos they do not appear externally scary and portrayed that way, but they're freaking beasts and will destroy you. And sharks don't actually kill as many things as they're portrayed to. What's the takeaway from that message? The first thing well, that comes to my mind is that. Um, so. So why did why did you you said you created a video about this? Why did you create a video about it? So 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 the reason why I created a video about that was, like, we watch the news and there's all we're all bombarded with this information that bad things are going to happen to us every day. But that's just right. that's just portrayed in the media, where in reality it doesn't really happen that much. For example, like airplane crashes. People think airplane crashes happen so often 
And they, they don't really think about car accidents, but car accidents happen like a thousand times more than than car uh, than airplane accidents. And I'm I'm just making that that number up, but but I know it's it's a it's a huge difference compared to to cars and, yeah. and airplane um, differences. Now going back to to what you just mentioned about how like these hippos are portrayed as as in like they're they're docile but then they're beasts. And then sharks, they look like they're scary, but in reality, um, they're they're friendly or, or they're not. They don't really bother you. I think that <laughs> I think that that is analogous to also to, um, to to situations in life, right? So so this thing that presents to us that's big and scary like a shark, but then we actually do it, and it feels okay. It doesn't feel like that bad. It doesn't kill us. Whereas other things that look very docile um, look very like they won't, they're not scary, but then if you just start ignoring them, they start building up time after time and it becomes really, really dangerous. Does that make sense? I feel like that's, that's another great bridge to this shark and hippo analogy. All right, Bob. Um, that might not have been your absolute strongest one, but uh, I appreciate the message. And, you know, everybody, next time you uh, you walk up the stairs to work, watch out for those hippos. Watch out. Well, yes. So, so I, I, to be honest, Nick, I thought it was a great analogy. It, it's it's I, one of the best analogies that I made. <laughs> dude, Bob, that's okay. That's, we agree to disagree. I'm not saying it's trash. I'm saying you've had brighter moments, but stay in your confidence. Stay in your zone. Stick to your message. Not everything I say is gold. Not everything you say is gold. My opinion does not always matter. Don't let it affect you. That's why we're here. That's why we're friends. That's why we're calling each other out, man. Very good. Um, so for next week, um, I would like to just share with you what my EVP is. And I would love to. Yes. That would be the greatest thing if I can get that down by next week. And you will get it done because and I will the time get it you done. give yourself to do something is the time that you will do it in. Yes. Very good. I will see you then. Bye-bye, Nick.